Welcome to the Presbyterian Today podcast. Um, I just want to start off with the reason for the podcast is for people like me who are returning to the Presbyterian or Reformed faith um, that they were baptized into or that they came into, um, either having left it for papism or had started as papists and left and for the Reformed faith. And so I just want to talk a little bit about some of the issues that are important because of the spiritual disease of idolatry. And we have to go over that because it's very important. Because Some of the things that I suffered with, um, I believe, were due to idolatry in the Catholic Church. Um, one of the greatest idols in the Catholic Church is the Mass. And the Mass is not the sacrifice of Jesus. It is a form of idolatry and paganism and heathenism. This is the teaching of John Calvin as I'm learning on his teaching and regarding in the Institutes of the Christian Religion um, I'm learning that I really suffered from idolatry. And, and people um, who were at the time of John Calvin, John Calvin had also understood this, people who violate the commandment of God that you shall make no graven images. Um, it's very important that uh, there was a reason that God in the Old Testament commanded that his people, the people of God, not make images. And uh, that, and this is not permitted by the God of Revelation. It just simply is not. And so the excuse would be, well, in the Catholic Church, we can make images because Jesus Christ was visible. Um... He became incarnate, and he became he was visible, God and man in one person. The second person of the Trinity became visible, so we can make icons now, and we can make images. But there's not one image, aside from the disputed Shroud of Turin, which is an obvious hoax. But even if people take it as serious, does that mean that if they discovered the Shroud of Jesus, that Jesus? would have wanted them to hold it up before altars, candles, incense, to have holy water sprinkled on it for people to prostrate and kneel before it. Such absurdity. The reality is we don't have any historical images of Jesus, Mary, and the apostles. We don't. And the important image would be Jesus' actual a painting of the historical Jesus, the one who actually became incarnate in human history, to see what the Lord looked like, right? But as far as the scriptures are concerned, and perhaps this is a reason that the Lord never had his image painted, and the early followers of Jesus never had him painted was because it was a form of idolatry. 
and the Lord did not want his image painted. But the scriptures are clear that a person cannot make idols. But it's very convenient that this commandment is taken out of the Catholic version of the Decalogue. So you don't see that as the second commandment of the Decalogue. And it's... But the curse of idolatry, and we look at the curse... Idolatry was always associated with apostasy in the Bible. Anytime God's people would create idols or bring them into the temple or use idols, they would be cursed by God. And we look at what happened when Moses brings the people before the Holy Mount and he goes up to receive the commandments and they're building a graven image. God Almighty was not pleased with that, evidently. God has never been pleased with idols and any form of idolatry. This is, this is not only clear from the text of the Old Testament, but it is also clear from the text of the New Testament. We are to flee from idols. So, what's important is, as I was thinking, I was really struggling because what happened was, I was going into this catastrophe over the Roman papacy losing its Tridentine formulas, its mass, its theology from Trent. And if Rome has fallen, and the Pope has fallen, well, maybe I should look elsewhere. So I looked at other movements that were more traditional. Uh, one even had elected its own Pope. And... Uh, found that I had become extremely uh, I lost I had lost my mind at, but at that point and this is like today uh, earlier today I was I was so so confused and so defeated that I really had to make a choice and Something just came into my mind because I had been familiar with John Calvin's writings before about his when he talks about idolatry. Is that it's something that has always been condemned by God. And when I was thinking about the curses that God had placed on these his people. I was thinking, well, maybe God had cursed me for idolatry. If God had cursed me, we look at God, what God does when he curses people, when he, for, their, for their apostasy. And 
It's not good. And, I mean, it's... From our vantage point, it's not good because everything seems to be falling apart. So the use of idols is dangerous for many reasons. It takes away the worship, the proper worship of the triune God. The proper, we are to worship God in spirit and truth and praise and thanksgiving. The Lord's Supper was never intended to become a sacrificial ritual that with images, with images and a sacerdotal priesthood. All these things were foreign to the time of Jesus. Jesus didn't know anything about episcopates, um, priestly vestments, ritual Romanum, Roman missiles, pontificals. The Lord in the New Testament doesn't know anything about that. He, it's not even in the scriptures. And so what Catholic theology does later to justify its paganism is to proof text. So every every practically every practice sacrament its rites its justification for its rituals and formulas and ceremonies is just cherry picked from the scriptures. But I just know that in my heart that I was cursed by God. And when you're cursed by God, you go out into the wilderness and you're lost. Literally, you're lost like the prodigal son. He goes out into the world and he's completely lost. I can explain that just by reading some of what Scripture has to say about it. And our Lord says in Matthew 12, and just my eyes went to this first, we're not doing an exegesis of Scripture. I know someone wants me to do that, but I'm just starting this podcast. We may do that, quote Scripture, but I'm telling you definitively that I have to end my relationship with the Catholic Church. Uh, Not only for its heresy, its apostasy as it exists now, but also with its pre-Vatican II manifestation. Because both are examples of apostasy from the true faith. It's not just the new religion Francis is promoting, but it is also the religion that his predecessors promoted. Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And that's from Matthew 12, 25. I was constantly in a state of confusion. Going from this religion to that religion, back to Catholicism. And then traditional Catholicism and all kinds of... So the curse of God falls on the person that commits idolatry, and not just idolatry of worshipping images, but idolatry of the flesh, false idols of theology, 
idols of theology that are not given by God are punishable, right? And so falling under the wrath of an angry God, we don't like to talk about that. But I had fallen under the wrath of an angry God who saw me worship bowing down before crucifixes, metal and wooden crucifixes, stone or plaster statues who when they fall on the floor they break and shatter into a million pieces and not just not just idols of stone and wood and steel and marble and any other metal and, and plastic whatever can be made how these things can be made of, but it's idolatry of theology, false views that don't come from the Bible. And going back to the primacy of Scripture, um, is very is going to be very important to me. Uh, the enemy. The devil doesn't want us to have pure worship. He wants us to have idols like the our heathen ancestors had. They all had idols. Um, the god of the kitchen, the god of the living room, the god of the bathroom, major gods, minor gods, personal gods. And you see that in the Catholic Church with its saints and but the reality is that I just don't want anything to do with it anymore I'm just absolutely burnt by it it has I living the gospel was impossible under the Catholic system uh, you were constantly in and out of the confessional or you were committing the same sins constantly and you were falling into despair I would feel that so the no matter how many crucifixes and statues and prayer books and things that I I even studied Catholic theology I have degrees in Catholic theology those those are idols I, I allowed them to be in my life and I spent thousands and thousands of dollars I didn't have through loans to acquire these degrees. When I could have just picked up a Bible and followed the, followed the teaching of Jesus, followed the teaching of the apostles and of the prophets of the Old Testament and listened to them instead of listening to people who promised me that it would be such a good thing to study Catholic theology is a nothing but torment me I'm a tormented person I don't want anything to do with it anymore it doesn't work because it's idolatry 
And when you think of the Mass and you think of the all of these ceremonies through the light of the Bible, it is clearly not worship God approves of, right? And God is not interested in these things. There's only one priest, Jesus Christ, who in heaven is worshiping, um, doing the acts of worship, the ceremonies, all these things, the heavenly worship. He's the high priest in the temple in, the, in heaven. He's doing these acts of worship. He's doing the priestly acts. Our worship on earth is to praise and thank God. A minister is just someone who is no different from the laity, but somebody who's chosen from the midst of God's people to serve baptisms, communion, to perform certain rites. But these are not unbiblical rites full of ceremonies that God would not approve of. The Mass is idolatry. And the highest condemnations, literally from the Reformers, especially Calvin, against it, it is idolatry. It is it is nothing to do with the Lord's Supper. Even the Vatican II version of it is still repugnant to God because it maintains many of the same Catholic ideas and prayers. So it's repugnant to God on its face, When St. Paul goes to the Corinthians, he mentions absolutely nothing about these rites and ceremonies. He doesn't instruct them on how to do any of these things that we see in the Mass today. He, there's nothing in there of that. It's absolutely foreign to St. Paul. He doesn't know anything about these ceremonies, these later things which were called sacraments. He knows about baptism. He knows about the Lord's Supper. But um, I don't know what to say at this point. All I can say is that I have to turn to God turn to the reformers and get my sanity back. The idols have to go. Idolatry has to go. And they all have to go in the garbage. Because they are corrupt before God. God Almighty does not want idols. And I was wondering why God, when I was a Catholic, why is God destroying Rome? Why is God destroying the Mass? Why is he destroying all of these? Because we thought it was the devil doing it. We thought, well, Francis is taking away the Latin Mass and all these things, and it's the devil. Maybe God's doing that. 
to purify the church. But I don't really feel that is the truth. I think that Francis still believes in the Catholic things, that teachings which are idolatry, false religion, along with his new religion of liberalism. So I don't know, but all I know is that the destruction of the mass is only a good thing. The destruction of that bastardization of the Lord's Supper is a good thing. It's a good thing. It should always be destroyed. Because God Almighty doesn't approve of those things. False religion should be destroyed off the face of the earth. God should remove it. But it's here, as we're being tempted by the devil, um, I was warned about it. My Protestant family warned me about Catholicism. I thought finding the church Christ founded was to go to the chronologically oldest church. Not to go into the Bible to find it and how it must be in accords with the Bible. That mentality didn't exist in me for some reason. That I had to go, that I should go to the Bible to find the true religion of Christ. It didn't exist in my mind. And it's very weird that I don't know where I got this idea. And if I went to an ancient church, then I would find the truth. What I found is more problems is what I found. Uh, Their accommodation to the world, the division, the lack of unicity. See, they would say Protestants divided up in 75,000 different denominations. But what I saw in Rome was 1.5 billion different denominations. But just in Rome in communion with Rome. Every Catholic had their own vision of the church and theology and ritual and liturgy. Many of them, their beliefs were were not recognizable with each other. You couldn't line them up and say that they believed in the same religion. So I have to leave Come out from among them and be a separate, saith the Lord. I have to leave it. And we don't need to be tutored with idols. We don't need idols and pagan art, essentially pagan art, to instruct us in the Christian religion. Books are sufficient. Preaching is sufficient. Teaching from good catechisms and the Bible is sufficient. We don't need art. We don't need... Because anytime man starts creating art, then he starts worshipping it. Anything... He starts making... 
pictures. And then people, then they worship those pictures. And they make statues and they start worshiping those statues. And then he says, well, the, the ritual's too simple. We need to keep adding to it. And so that is another form of paganization, heathenization. But Jesus said, saw nothing, no need for marble altars and crucifixes and three altar claws on the altar and altar rails and statues and stained glass. I mean, if the Lord wanted it, it would have been recorded in the New Testament. If the Lord wanted those things, let's be very clear, if the Lord wanted this Catholic theology and ritual and liturgy, it would be in the New Testament. Very clearly. These dogmas and teachings would be very clear. Jesus wouldn't have waited through the Holy Spirit. This is the big excuse. Well, the Holy Spirit watered the seed of doctrinal development, liturgical development. No, the Holy Spirit didn't do that. The Holy Spirit was there to remind us of what Christ gave us. And what is recorded in the New Testament. So I reject heathenism and paganism masquerading as Christianity. I reject it. I have to reject the mass and the pagan statues masquerading as saints and that Mary's the mother of God and that she's queen of heaven. That's idolatry. The mother of Jesus would never accept a title queen of heaven. She would never accept any of that nonsense. So we have to move away from it. And many of us converted to Rome thinking, and let's talk about Protestant converts. Many of us converted to Rome think, having a Protestant inferiority complex. We were so afraid of that, you know, we were looking for the ancient church again, thinking the most ancient church. You know, ancient churches, like the Orthodox, Oriental Orthodox and Catholics, don't have authenticity. But they do have more problems there's nowhere that an episcopate Jesus doesn't establish an episcopate or a priesthood uh, in the Catholic notion of a sacrificing priesthood and you don't see that you don't see any of the Catholic sacraments as they're understood now in the New Testament And we were lied to as Protestants when we went into the Catholic Church. We were lied to and told that there was the true church and that this was true worship that God approved, even though we were told we were told that this was absolutely heresy. But we went into the Catholic Church thinking, or the Orthodox Church, and if you went in there, thinking that that church was going to give us the true faith. What it mostly gave us was medieval liturgy, false ecumenism, 
liberalism mixed with liturgy. In the case of orthodoxy, it exists there too. In Rome, it's more explicit in the liturgy. But God commands us to separate. And he commands us to not make any graven image. Exodus 24. And I reject it and repudiate it. Leviticus 19.4 says, Turn ye not into idols. Even Acts Acts 15.20 says, Abstain from idols. 1 Corinthians 10.7, Neither be idolaters. 1 John 5.21 says, Keep yourself from idols. It's very, very clear. But it's never clear. For some reason, it's never clear. Because the ancient church does it, 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 you know... It, there's nuances. Well, it doesn't mean, you know, because Jesus became, you know, became incarnate. Now we can create all these images. And, um, but, the, you know, Scripture condemns it. The early Christians didn't need it. They read from the Scripture, heard a sermon, and partook of the Supper of the Lord. And then it all turns into this, and then it becomes a sacrifice. And the chalice is taken from the people in the Latin church, not in the East, but. But the Eastern church is even more idolatrous than the Latin church, with its so called windows to heaven as icons. Those aren't windows to heaven, they're idols. God doesn't need any of that doesn't need it true worship is in spirit and in truth so Protestants we have to we have to go back to our church and we have to get rid of our idols and get rid of the papist garbage and remove it from from the midst of us it's cursing us all of that is putting a curse from God on us. Remember, God said he is a jealous God. And he is indeed jealous. He, he doesn't want us to worship the creature. We don't worship the creature. In the totality of the history of God's people, God never allowed idols well, what about the angels on the ark? What about that? Well, that's a justification for this wholesale modern idolatry. Human beings, when they worship, they don't usually distinguish between dulia and hyperdulia and latria and all of these distinctions. When you kneel before something, it's worship. When you pray to someone, it's worship. When you're asking someone to pray for you that's dead, it's worship. It's a form of spirit communication. And we're only to pray. Jesus taught us to pray, Our Father, 
Lord in heaven, we are to pray to the Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus. We are to pray to God our Father in the name of Jesus Christ. And it's very important that we be free from idols. That's why you saw during the Protestant Reformations this people were literally taking and smashing the idols. They removed the idols from their home, the statues and the pagan art, masquerading as Christian art. All this stuff was destroyed and burned. And what you had in people's homes was worship, proper worship, and praise to God the Father through Jesus Christ. Praying to God our Father. No images. We have the Holy Bible. Why do you need images to teach you about things that happen in the Bible? You don't need images. You can read. We don't need images. Images eventually lead to worship. In all the whole history of Israel, we saw that. And we know what happens with the church in order to accommodate the mass, especially, this was even before the, um, the church, the, Christ, the Catholic church becoming the state religion, as the church was starting to accommodate the massive amounts of pagans that were entering the church through baptism. So John Calvin comes on the scene and says, yeah, there's many precious things that are still true. But we have to separate the pagan and heathen elements from the church. And we need to get rid of those things and restore the faith of Jesus Christ and the first apostles. It's by a miracle that the church... It's often said the Catholic Church preserved the Bible. No, the Holy Spirit preserves the Bible because the Catholic Church spent many years trying to suppress people reading the Bible. And it was read in Latin at the Masses, but not in, English, not in the vernacular until much later. Because Rome having to compete with the Protestants who were reading the Bible in the vernacular and who had services in the vernacular had to compete. This is something that leads up to Vatican II. Finally, the allowance of the vernacular liturgies. The church could no longer compete or justify the sole use of Latin and theology or biblical studies only for a select few. Now, everyone has Bibles. Everyone can read. Most people can read. So the church had to catch up with the times. And so it's right, there were some Protestantizations at Vatican II and afterwards in the New Mass. But it's still not sufficient. Because instead of the traditional piety and all the multiplicity of relics and altars and the old Mass and all of that in the new church, you have an idolatry of false ideas along with the Mass that is still 
seen as a sacrifice. So you have the liberalism, liberation theology, feminist theology, all these false theologies influencing the church. Under, under the guise of Adjournamento, right? But it's, it's, it's going from being a false religion to another false religion, but it's still a false religion. The old mass, the old church, the old doctrines are a false religion. And the new church and the new mass and the new teachings are a false religion. And, the, you know, the Holy Spirit preserve. Why does the Holy Spirit preserve the Bible? It's because the Holy Spirit knows that in the future, Christians will need a template or a way to restore the church back to her essence again. And that's what John Calvin tried to do. He didn't see that Luther had went far enough. Because Luther was still keeping the idols, allowing them to be kept, even though it was clear the scripture condemned that, their use, he still couldn't let go of the idols. So John Calvin comes and says, All of the idols, if the scriptures don't permit it, we can't use it in worship. And the scriptures don't mention it. We can't use it in worship. It's called the regulative principle. And that makes perfect sense. Because worship that God approves has to be in his word. It has to be spoken of in divine revelation. You can't just make up these grandiose liturgies in Latin with stone altars that pagans use and all these things, replacing the pagan gods with saints. You can't say this is allowed by God. It's actually condemned in sacred scripture. So it's not just that Catholics that are upset with Vatican II and the new mass and the new rites um, just aren't going back far enough. It's not that the Catholic Church invented a new religion at Vatican II. It's been reinventing itself and creating a new religion practically throughout its beginning as the Constantin Constantinian religion. And um, so all I can say is that it has to go every idol, everything standing between you and God. Because we don't need to go to God through Mary the saints, through images, through masses. We have direct access to God the Father through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we can go to God the Father in prayer. And we can ask God the Father to forgive us our sins. And he can immediately and directly forgive them as we ask in the name of Jesus. Who our Lord said, if you ask anything in my name, I will give it to you. And so when we ask the Father to forgive us in the name of Jesus, God the Father forgives us. That's how we know we are forgiven. Because when we ask in his name, he will do it, right? We don't need a priest to do it. The Reformed <clears throat> churches would have a declaration of forgiveness. 
but it has nothing to do with the Catholic vision of, of absolution. All it is is just reading scripture that talks about forgiveness and the minister reminding you that Christ has indeed forgiven you your sins. So it has nothing to do with the Catholic view of a priesthood which um, forgives sins. So I, I can't do anymore and I'm just going to dig into John Calvin's writings. And I'm going to dig into his writings of the Institutes of the Christian religion are backed up by scripture. Everything is backed up by sacred scripture. He makes it a very makes it very important that he cites scripture and he shows people where the scriptures are so that you know that it's scriptural, right? But it's it's something when the blinders come off and you realize you've been committing idolatry. And you need to break your statues and burn your icons and throw your crucifixes in the garbage. All that stuff has to go. All of the Catholic books, all non-Christian books have to go in the garbage. All that stuff has to go, you know... To remove the curse of God, we have to remove the unclean thing from our midst. And that includes images, false images. Well, my grandmother gave me that statue of Mary. Throw it in the garbage dump. It's an idol. has nothing to do with the Christian faith. And we don't need it. Our tutor is Christ in the Holy Bible. He is teaching us now. We don't need to learn through a stained glass window or through an altar service or a rich ceremony in a mass. We don't need it. We don't need it. We don't need Jesus to change bread and wine into his body and blood. So if it falls on the floor, Christ is undertrodden by feet until the matter decomposes and submistically Christ's true presence departs. That's blasphemy. We receive the bread and we receive the wine in remembrance. If Jesus wants to raise us up unto himself and feed us spiritually with his body and blood, so be it. And he does. Calvin taught that. But it's mystery. And Christ does that. He works inside of us. The important thing is he commanded us to do it. And we obey him and we remember not only the what he did at Calvary, but also his death, burial, and resurrection. So it's important that we focus on biblical Christianity because that is the earliest record we have.
And if we could find the things that Catholicism tells us later are in in Scripture, when we obviously read it and we don't find it there, we don't find about 99.9% of what the Catholic Church says is Catholic in the New Testament. It just simply is not there. It is absent. And that's why the church for a long time didn't want average Christians to read the Bible. Because when you would compare, human beings are people, we compare. So human beings compare things. It's very natural. I know what my church teaches now as a Catholic and what I experience in the Mass now, but, oh, let's read the Bible. It should all be in there. And when you read the Bible, papal mitres, chasubles, cassocks, souls, masses for the living and the dead, uh, five other sacraments aren't there. All this stuff is not there. And when you find it, the papacy, papal power, temporal and spiritual, all these things, Statues, the use of statues, a ritual for mass, and consecrating bishops and priests and all of this rigmarole. It's just not there. And when you study the Bible and you compare it to the Catholic Church, just like the Protestant Reformers did, they find out they were lied to. And that not only is this organization not using a double negative, but this organization is not the Church of Christ. It does not, you don't find it in the New Testament. It is a later, it's a religion that replaced a religion. You find, and if you study religions, if you say, if you're a student of religion, you'll find out that all this often happens in the history of religion, is that the founder starts a religion. And then his disciples will change it, or his apostles, or or let it'll be changed within a hundred years of him dying, right? And it becomes with new theologies and rites are added and things that the founder wouldn't approve of. But they claim the founder would approve of it. You see this. Well, there weren't just one founder of the Catholic Church. The claimed claimed founder of the Catholic Church, Jesus Christ, didn't found it. It was a whole combination of popes, so-called saints, doctors, and fathers. They created the Catholic Church into what it is today. Uh, And modernists and liberals add that to the mix, too. But when you go to the Bible, you're told you can't go to the Bible to find your religion because you need tradition and the Pope to interpret it for you. And you really shouldn't be reading the Bible. It's a very dangerous book because it can cause schism. It can get you thinking for yourself. And you will start comparing the Bible religion with the religion of the Catholic Church. You'll find those are two different religions. And you can't follow them. How it's divided, our Lord said, remember? I'm starting to feel a little more sane.
is so to conclude I've been talking way too long I'm just really tired I'm sure you can hear it in my voice I nearly nearly fell asleep I've been struggling and it's been keeping me awake just struggling with theology and doctrine but I'm going to go back to the pure reformed faith of as John Calvin reforms the Catholic Church, he still believes his church is the Catholic Church. He still believes that. And just cleansed and reformed. And um, free from idols, free from false rites and ceremonies, free from a pagan papacy which is nothing more than the resurrection of the Pontifex Maximus, the Roman emperor, using religious titles. From Peter, yeah, successors to St. Peter, but really, he's the Roman emperor. The Pope is the Roman emperor. And his religion is the successor to the Roman state. And that's really what it is. And so I just don't want anything to do. I wash my hands of it for the salvation of my soul and go to the simple Bible religion that you find in the Bible that you have next to you, the Bible I'm holding in my hands. Turning to the Lord. Returning to the Lord and rejecting idolatry rejecting idolatry these idols cannot they do not have breath blood bone animation they have no life in them we can pray directly to the Father who is alive, who is the true God, and worship him in spirit and in truth. So I'm going to do this. It's going to make people angry. It's going to, when I call it the papist pagan church, the mass is an abomination in the eyes of God. It is. It's idolatry. Throw out your statues of Mary. Throw out your crucifixes. Burn them. Put them in the garbage bin. Don't give them to anybody. It's paganism is what it is. It's wickedness in the eyes of God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The God that the apostles followed. The Holy Spirit preserved the text through an idolatrous religion miraculously so that the church would have the texts when prophets and reformers would come sent by God they would have the Bible to reform the church 
And this is a miracle. So, let's turn to the Psalms. I want to turn to the Psalms. I am so... I just, something rose up within my heart. I am so against papism. I am so against this false religion that has intelligent people had me bowing to plaster statues, bowing to metal crucifixes, bowing to a piece of bread and wine on a pagan altar that had nothing to do with the Supper of the Lord. All of this idolatry. God gave us an intellect. He gave us... We're not supposed to be worshipping like pagans. We're not supposed to be doing that. And we don't have to worship like pagans anymore. I don't want to worship like a pagan. I don't want to. One of the biggest accusations of the reason the Jews say we'll never enter Christianity, especially Catholicism, many of them, is your idols. Your idols. And that throughout all throughout history, you've seen as the church started adding these rituals and idols, the less Jews entered the church. They're looking for their Messiah. They're not. They don't think their Messiah came into the world to mix paganism with the religion of God, or Jesus. God became incarnate in Jesus to, to create idols and idolatry as worship. This is just illogical. Jesus. Founds a church to install idolatry in all of its rites, its sacramental system, all these things that are said to just remind us of the saints or Mary, supposedly. And we just, we don't, we differentiate. It's always so clear that ever, I know as a Catholic, I didn't differentiate. When I knelt, before a statue of Mary, I was really praying my heart out to her as if she was a god. When I was praying to St. Anthony or some saint to find something or heal me or do something, I was praying fervently as if they were God himself. It's such a horrifying deception that Catholics say that they don't worship their idols. You do worship your idols. You say you don't, but your mind doesn't differentiate, and it certainly doesn't spiritually. So flee from idols, and we'll be talking about that and many other things that John Calvin teaches us. We want the purified, reformed Catholic Church. And we wanted to keep reforming, meaning restoring it back to the Bible religion. Right. Going back to the Bible religion. 
in the New Testament. And every time we get away, and you saw this with the Reformed churches later, and and in the Protestant churches, is they would fall into they either fall into ritualism, just paganism, modeling Rome, creating some mockery of Roman Catholic practices. Or they would go towards some pagan philosophy or liberalism or atheism or whatever and corrupt the biblical religion. That their ancestors in faith worked so hard to restore from the Bible. Right? So we're going to talk about it. I'm tired. I'm going to bed. I'm tired. of. I've been struggling spiritually, spiritual warfare, all kinds of things. So I am going to bed, folks. I love you. We'll get on here and talk more. This is only about love. Um, throwing your idols in the garbage is love. Not attending a sacrilegious service called the Mass is love. It has nothing to do with Christ. It's not in the earliest Christian record at all. It's not there. And we have to reject it as God himself rejects it. This is the Presbyterian podcast today and I'm tired, I'm out. God bless you, I love you, and take care and uh, keep praying. And if you seek truth, you go to the Bible. That old song, the B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. I stand upon the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E, and I can't believe I threw that away to become a papist. What happened? And so when you find out what the devil does, he's tricky. He'll have you um, singing the B-I-B-L-E song in Sunday school, Protestant Sunday school, and you end up as a papist. That's what the devil does. And we have to watch out for the devil. And return to the holy Protestant church. The religion of the reformed Catholic religion. The, that Christ founded. That's all Protestant is. It's Catholics that were wanting to return to the sources of their faith in scripture. And were told they couldn't do that on pain of excommunication. I love you guys. I'm going to bed. Bye.